Today's intro is going to be a little bit longer. This song goes out to all the favored teams in the Big 12 that played this weekend. Oklahoma, Iowa State, Texas, and Texas Tech. Well, I woke up Sunday morning with no way to hold my head didn't hurt to opposite sides of the field they're gonna run a little option and walk it into the end zone it's scott i had one more for dessert thompson finds youngblood and youngblood finds the end zone then i fumbled through my backwards pass it is another trick play basquin pulls it down now he's gonna fire one it's tipped out of the cowman's intercepted and I shaved my face and combed my hair and stumbled down the stairs to meet the dead. Quarterback draw, Skylar Thompson, one-on-one, breaks a tackle, touchdown. I'd Quarterback run, Skylar Thompson, he's got another K-State, touchdown. Data, they will push the kick short, lands in no man's land. And it's taken by T.J. Pledger, he lost the football. K-State thinks they have it. watched a small kid cussing at a can that he was kicking. Quarterback run, you gotta anticipate quarterback run. There it is, Thompson the at the goal line, he's in again. The smell of someone crying. He gets the handoff and he gets a walk-in touchdown. Perkins. It squeezes throws. Brooks after it. It's loose. Does Oklahoma have it? It looks like the Sooners have recovered. On the Sunday morning sidewalk. Wishing love. Our final score. Kansas State over Oklahoma. 48 to 41. What a scene as they celebrate. Duggan has all day. Here's the deep ball. Tay Barber! First down and goal, TCU. A perfect strike. He was swinging. That's the snap. Gets it right side towards the end zone. Untouched. Touchdown, and Listen to the song. Dellinger steps up. Zips one and gets picked off. They're bringing pressure. Duggan looks over the top. Two into his right, keeping his eyes downfield. There's a flag down as he throws another interception. Dug it on the pull read. Downhill touchdown. Fourth and ten. Last chance for In trouble. Gets rid of it. Picked off. Wishing Lord that I was stoned. Wallace, 
This is the Big 12 Bullets. Cheer us up, Prince Polo. Are you sufficiently sad? Yes, that's how I'm starting this week. I know that if you're a fan of Oklahoma State or Kansas or Kansas State or TCU, you're excited. You tuned in to celebrate and good for you i'm happy for you i'm not gonna spend the whole time sad and depressed despite that opening however let's just get out of the way that baylor is the only undefeated team in the big 12 and the only real significant hope the big 12 has at a playoff participant yes we'll get into the fact that oklahoma isn't out But we're also going to get into the fact that they most likely are. So don't cry for me, but also maybe be a little sad just for the Big 12. All right, now we're going to get into everyone loves upsets. Those were all upsets. So that's exciting. If this was the NCAA tournament, this was the the bracket-busting game or the bracket-busting weekend. This was the weekend that nothing went to plan And that's exciting for people. I acknowledge that. So we're going to talk about it from that perspective. But we're also going to talk about the fact that there was some absolute heartbreak this weekend. We're going to just go through all of these games because that's the real only way to have this discussion. And like I said, all four. Because all four of them had major implications. Even if you want to say Kansas, Texas Tech wasn't necessarily a big deal. Because both teams are bad, neither team will probably make a bowl. The way it ended must be talked about. So we're going to talk about that. But we have to start at the most important game, and that's because it was the highest ranked team. It's not just because it's the team I cheer for. It was the Big 12's best hope at making a playoff was if Oklahoma just won out. Now, of course, Baylor could win out and they can make the playoff, but I think a lot of people don't feel like that's a possibility or a probability 
So Oklahoma was the best chance, and they didn't win out. I told you last week, if you listen to the podcast, which you do, you heard me say that I felt like this was a trap game. I felt like the 11 a.m. kickoff time, the fact that this game was in Manhattan, the fact that Oklahoma hasn't really been tested outside of Texas, the fact that Oklahoma probably wasn't looking at this game as a test, all of those contributed contributing factors plus the fact that Kansas State plays a different way than everyone else, that they're going to have a pretty good defense, that they're going to control the ball, and that they're going to run the ball. They're going to be tough physically. Those are a lot of things that don't necessarily happen in other teams in the Big 12. You're looking at maybe Iowa State plays that way. But Kansas State, Iowa State are kind of the only two. And Oklahoma showed up to this game and got trashed. They got stomped. They got beaten down physically. This was a physical loss. This was not a strategic loss. This was not a, certainly there were flukes. And we'll get into each of those flukes. There were flukes in this game. If the two teams played again, I think Oklahoma wins. And I don't even know that it was close. However, this game is all that matters. And they got stomped. Physically, the Kansas State offensive line opened up huge holes. Kansas State ran through them. If you listened to that intro, which I hope you did, I worked pretty hard on that, you heard the phrase, Skylar Thompson up the middle several times for touchdowns. I think he, he was just unstoppable. I'm not that smart. I say this all the time. I am not smart football man. I am not an offensive coordinator. I've never pretended to be. I've never played quarterback. I don't have just genius offensive thoughts in my mind all the time. I could sit there and say, hey, when the ball's on, say, the three-yard line and Kansas State needs to score, the best play is for them to run it with their quarterback. And they did it, and it worked every time. It was unstoppable because their their offensive line – their running backs, their anybody that was blocking was blocking the man in front of them with no issues whatsoever. And so that's that is the story of the game. However, there's a ton of other things to talk about in this game. First of all, let's just go over the sort of fluky things that happened. So this is not these are not excuses. I just gave Kansas State all the credit. They deserve that win. They stomped Oklahoma at the same time. Here are the things that went wrong for Oklahoma that if they played this game again are not going wrong again. So early in the game, Oklahoma ran a just an absolute ingenious play in which they threw the ball backwards to CeeDee Lamb, who ran to Jalen Hurts, tossed it backwards to Jalen Hurts, and then who threw it deep to Nick Basquin. That was a flea flicker, but a very inventive flea flicker. Very interesting play design. Just shows... Lincoln Riley's genius. So that one worked. But then they do another one, a similar play. This time, Nick Basquin, the veteran receiver for Oklahoma, who tore his Achilles, was out for an entire year. He uh, he gets the ball, and he is clearly passing it. There's nobody in front of him, so he has all the time in the world. And he looks up and makes the extremely smart decision not to throw the ball into triple coverage. A lot of times when a receiver gets a chance to throw the ball, they just throw it into triple coverage. They don't even hesitate. They just, I'm going to throw it. He says, I'm not going to throw that. Starts to run it. Looks up again. Goes through his progressions like a good quarterback. Sees a wide open Charleston Rambo, who is the second most reliable receiver on Oklahoma. A wide open Rambo. Basquin fires the ball to Rambo, who 
just completely misses. I mean, just it's just an inexcusable play that he was wide open. There was nobody on him. The ball bounces off of his shoulder pad into the air. Kansas State intercepts it, gets all the way down close to the goal line. They score a touchdown before halftime, and that really was a signal that this game is not going well. Other fluky things that happened that gave Kansas State incredible field position. There was a 19-yard punt from inside Oklahoma territory that set Kansas State up for another score. And then the biggest fluky thing was Kansas State did a pooch kickoff, which honestly, seeing the results of this, I wonder why more teams don't do things like this. The kickoff kind of fell in no man's land. Uh, OU returner TJ Pledger runs up to it, but he catches it on a bounce. He's not really seeing where he's going to be running with the ball. And instead of just kind of cutting his losses, taking the ball at 35 or 40 or wherever it was, he tries to get five extra yards. He fumbles. Kansas State recovers. Score again. These are things that, despite the fact that Oklahoma's defense wasn't making many stops, you can't fault the defense for not stopping Kansas State when they have the ball starting in Oklahoma territory several times, and especially when they start really close to Oklahoma uh, to the end zone. Those are things that just they don't happen really in, in Oklahoma games. Jalen Hurts is pretty protective with the ball as far as interceptions go. He fumbled again in this game. It didn't end up being a big deal, but he's kind of, you know, there's some issues there. Oklahoma also did not run the ball at all with their running backs. Kennedy Brooks, Trey Sermon had combined for less than 10 touches. Both of those guys should have 10 touches each every game. They combined for six touches. That's That should not never happen with those dynamic running backs. And you even have other running backs who are good. Ramondre is a good running back. They should be running the ball more than more than they did. But at the same time, when they got down by so much, they had to make a comeback. And they did. I mean, frankly, when you score 41 points in a game, that's a win. You must win games that you score 41 points. This was a total reversal back to last year's defense. And Alex Grinch has been saying all year, I don't have the depth, I don't have the depth, I don't have the depth. I'm happy, sort of, with what I have as far as the starters, but I don't have any depth. And that's been the biggest issue. They had a few injuries, and it just fell apart. And I don't know if this was even had anything to do with the injuries. It's not like Kenneth Murray got hurt. You know, it's not like their absolute best players got hurt. Um, They did have Parnell Motley get kicked out for kicking somebody early in the game, which is just absolutely inexcusable for an upperclassman to do. It's inexcusable for anybody to do, but an upperclassman, that's just ridiculous. And it killed the team because they only brought three corners to the game. True freshmen had to play the whole game. They're just things that happen in this game that should never happen. And all of that said, Oklahoma comes back. They kick a field goal late to go down by a touchdown. Now they have to recover an onside kick. Onside kicks are impossible to recover. This never, ever, ever, ever works. I mean, it's almost it's almost like I feel like there has to be a rule change to allow this to be more successful because this was it's just impossible. And yet... As you heard in the intro, Oklahoma kicks this onside kick. It's perfect. It caroms off a player, shoots downfield. Kansas State is chasing. They fall on it, but it squirts out. Oklahoma recovers it in Kansas State territory with a minute left. You want to tell me Oklahoma is not going to score a touchdown from there? They're absolutely going to score a touchdown from there. And hey, listen, 
this game goes to overtime, I have no idea what happens. Overtime's kind of a coin flip anyway, and especially the way Oklahoma's defense was playing most of the game, you would think that there would be, you know, Kansas State might go ahead and win that game. That's probably true. Uh, but at the same time, Oklahoma had the momentum, so you could argue both ways. But I guarantee you Oklahoma scores a touchdown from the position they had the ball with a minute left. However, however, Stephen A. Smith voice. The referees review the play, and they see that Oklahoma had a player touch the ball. The ball, the player that the ball caromed off of was an Oklahoma player. It hit him and shot down the field. It hit him. Players are not allowed to touch the ball 10 yards um, from the kickoff. So there's a 10-yard zone. The players can't touch the ball on Oklahoma. It touched him at the 9.5-yard marker. So there was this was one of the longest reviews I've ever seen besides the one that happened in the World Series on Tuesday night. That's a different thing. That was the longest review I've ever seen. This was one of the longest reviews I've ever seen. And it the determination was, hey, you know, he touched the ball at the nine and a half yard mark. That's a penalty. This is Kansas State ball. Game over. Watching it live, I I had to say, okay, I guess that makes sense. I know the rule sort of that it's a 10 yard thing and he touched it with that. So I didn't argue with it in my mind. Um Live. And then we find out that actually there's a rule called forced touching where a player cannot be blocked into the ball and forced to touch the ball. And when you think about it, of course that rule makes sense. So imagine a punting team punts it. They want the other team to touch it inadvertently. So say the ball's bouncing around and you get a guy and you just shove the guy on the other team into the ball. Then you go pick it up. That's your ball. Obviously, you can't do that. That's called forced touching. So, when you watch the replay, it's almost, it's extremely obvious that the Oklahoma player was pushed into the ball by the Kansas State player. He was not reaching for the ball. He was not even going for the ball. He was trying to get to the the yard marker that he's supposed to get to, and he was blocked by a Kansas State player into the ball. That is, in fact, forced touching. So, this should have been Oklahoma's ball. Oklahoma should have gotten a chance to tie it. All of that is true. Apparently, that's not reviewable. I don't really want to get into all of that that whole thing. So the very frustrating part of this whole situation is you say, absolutely, I say, absolutely, Oklahoma did not deserve to win that game. They deserved to lose that game. They got beat. At the same time, they were robbed of an opportunity to tie the game late because of a bad call which if you know the rules, which I assume the referees do know the rules, that was a very obvious situation of forced touching, which is a terrible term. I wish that wasn't the term. So, again, the argument could be made the other way. Why does this matter? Oklahoma got outplayed. Look at the Baylor-Texas Tech game. Baylor was robbed, sorry, Baylor was bailed out on a bad call by the referees. So, Baylor is undefeated because they benefited from a really bad call. Oklahoma is not undefeated because they didn't benefit from a really bad call. I'm not saying like this is not an argument against Baylor or against Oklahoma. I'm just talking about the margins. The margins in these things are so thin. And the being undefeated is so difficult at in any level, in any conference. I mean, you can't tell me that that SMU's, SMU being undefeated is not impressive. That's extremely impressive. They had to win a game in triple overtime in which they were down by multiple touchdowns. So being undefeated is is just ridiculously hard. 
And so full credit goes to Baylor for being undefeated. They have to run the gauntlet coming up, and we'll see how that works out for them. But Oklahoma is not undefeated. They are not looking good for the college football playoff. At the same time, being undefeated is extremely difficult. We can't just assume that Ohio State is going to remain undefeated. We can't just assume that Oregon and Utah are going to have one loss each still. Um, Obviously, one of them will have two losses. But we can't assume that LSU and Alabama are going to win out. Obviously, both of them aren't going to win out, but one of them is going to, you know, we, there are these margins, there are these situations that come up, especially when you're talking about college football and, and these young players that can just have complete off days. You, there's a lot of football left to be played, as we know. I mean, if you look at the, the college football playoff initial rankings every season, how many teams that are involved in that top four that don't make the playoff at the end, it's pretty funny. So... We think we know stuff at the end of October. We don't know anything. There's so many variables, and there's so many fine margins and bad calls or good calls that will go one way or the other that will change everything. So I'm not writing Oklahoma off, but personally, just as a fan, and actually, I mean, even as a commentator or whatever you want to say, if they play the way they played against Kansas State, they're not going to beat Iowa State. That's another physical football team. Heck, look at what TCU turned into this week. So, you know, you got Baylor to play, who's a pretty physical team as well. There's a lot of football left to be played. There's also some other games to talk about. Should we go Texas first? Let's go Texas first. What is happening in Austin? I told y'all last week that this was not shaping up to be a good season for old Tom Herman. And it is, it got a lot worse in Fort Worth this weekend. They made Max Duggan, who has been a, who is a freshman, true freshman, who is not necessarily the guy that everyone thought was going to be the starter at TCU this year. And he's had some really, um, he doesn't like throw a lot of interceptions. This is, you know, he's, that's not the type of player he is. He's just, they haven't lit anybody up. He's not, he's not a guy that has been great yet, but he might have the potential. And if you look at the way he played against, Texas, I mean, he was throwing deep bombs that were being hauled down by Jalen Rager, and, and all, you know, it was it was a, an impressive performance. And he's certainly, uh, as, as a commentator said, he, he has arrived. On the other side of the ball, Sam Ellinger, this supposed great player at Texas, this savior of Texas, the we're back, yeah, that guy. How's that working out? They got three losses before October ends. He threw four picks in this game. This was not not a shining moment for him. And in fact, it was the worst game of his career, I think. And I mean, I don't even think there's really an argument there. Uh, There's certainly no one talking about him for Heisman anymore. But I don't think that's been talked about for several weeks. But Texas is looking at more than not going back to the Big 12 championship, they still have tough teams to play. And there's still some losses out there that could happen. And especially, you know, TCU is not a good football team. There's They're playing teams that are better than TCU. And, you know, Herman seemed to be pretty confident they were going back to the Big 12 championship game after losing to Oklahoma. If they didn't get bailed out last week against Kansas with Dicker the kicker, 
they would have three straight losses in October. I don't know, man. I, I don't I don't think that uh, Herman is going to be near as beloved by the end of the season unless they can right the ship. I know they have injuries. I know there's excuses all over the board, but at the same time, you don't get excuses in Austin. You don't get excuses in Norman. You don't get excuses in Tuscaloosa or Baton Rouge. There are places that you don't get excuses. And Tom Herman took that job knowing that. And I don't know. I, you know, I'm sure he's not necessarily making that many excuses, especially in the building. But at the same time, I know he's not going to be fired at the end of the season. But I know that there's going to be a lot of people who were very much confident that he was the, the greatest coach in the world at the beginning of the season. They're going to look back and say, all right, it's a put up or shut up next season. All right, let's go to the next game, the next upset. Oklahoma State, I told y'all last week, Mike Gundy had to write the ship in a big way, and what does he do? He does what he always does. When you least expect him to win, he wins. Spencer Sanders, pretty good game. Chuba Hubbard, you know to look out for him. But my goodness, Tylen Wallace is the man. He and C.D. Lamb, I mean, guys, we have to appreciate the fact that we have these unbelievably great players in the Big 12. C.D. Lamb had a great, um, when Oklahoma was down by a million, C.D. Lamb had a great uh, screen pass that he he broke a million tackles and, and went all the way down the field for like a 70-yard touchdown. Tylen Wallace got a screen pass, ran through a guy, and did the same thing. I mean, these guys are just unbelievably dynamic players. But all that said, how does Oklahoma State win it? They pick off Brock Purdy several times, including a game-winning pick six. You know, Oklahoma hired Alex Grinch, and all he talks about is takeaways, and they don't get takeaways against anybody. Really could have used a takeaway this last game that would have changed the game. Here's Oklahoma State getting takeaways against a much better quarterback in Brock Purdy, and they get a game-winning pick six. That's the difference takeaways make. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? So, shout out to Mike Gundy. Shout out to Oklahoma State. Maybe maybe that Ambien worked this week for Mike Gundy, and he actually was able to sleep after the game because they beat a ranked Iowa State team who has been, uh, it's weird to say, a disappointment. Is there a more disappointing team than Iowa State just from the sense that they had a lot of hype going into the season, and that's basically all disappeared. Now, even if they, say, beat Oklahoma – it's going to be like an upset, not a, a meeting of equals. I don't know who's going to be in the Big 12 championship game. Maybe Iowa State still will. Who knows? Maybe Kansas State will make it in there. I have no idea. But Iowa State has really blown their big chance. And maybe Matt Campbell's even blown a big chance at a big job. Of course, maybe he didn't want that big job anyway. But it's it's been a really... Frankly, at this point, we have to say it. It's a disappointing year for Iowa State. There's really no way around it. And uh, it's weird to say because normally you would say Iowa State being ranked at any point is not disappointing. But when they've blown it as many times as they have this season, it's disappointing. And speaking of disappointing, can we talk about Texas Tech and Kansas? No. Everyone's going to talk about, and everyone has been talking about, how this game ended. But we need to talk a little bit about what happened before that. This was an amazing game. This was 
just haymaker after haymaker after haymaker. It was almost like that Texas Tech-Oklahoma game from several years ago with Patrick Mahomes against Baker Mayfield where it was just like, all right, yeah, now it's your turn to throw a bomb that will not be stopped. Carter Stanley was just stepping up in the pocket and letting fly like he was throwing to Marquise Hollywood Brown. I mean, he was he was just throwing deep bombs, and Texas Tech couldn't do anything to stop it. And then Jet Duffy on the other side was also having a really good game. It uh, it was it was actually an amazing game that it's almost sad that it ended the way it ended because all we can think about is just the ridiculousness of that ending. But man, it was quite an ending. But it was quite a game before that. But let's talk about that ending. First of all, I want to say, if you listen to the intro, which please listen to the intro, it's Chris Christopherson, one of our greatest living songwriters with one of his greatest songs, saddest songs, Sunday morning coming down. I mean, who didn't feel that way after their Saturday? Obviously, some of these winners did, but then some of these winners probably celebrated a little too much and they did feel that way Saturday, Sunday. Anyway. In the intro, you notice that the commentators in that Kansas game were a little too chill about one of the weirdest ways a team's ever lost a game. You see a guy try to return a blocked field goal to win a game. First of all, you should be going nuts anyway. Oh my gosh, Eddie's got it. Eddie's trying to run for the the touchdown. He's going to try to win the game. And then, when he pitches it, why are you not freaking out? And he pitches it back, and Kansas recovers. What was he thinking? Instead, we get, uh, man, he pitches, and Kansas recovers. What? That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. I get what he was thinking. He thought the game was over. He thought this was the last play of the game, so I could be risky. Oh, no, there was one second left when he pitched it to nobody. And Kansas kicked the game-winning field goal from a closer location, and it wasn't blocked, and they won the game. That's the weirdest inning I've ever seen. And it was commentated like this was golf. I don't even know who the commentator is. I'm not going to call him out by name. I know it's a really difficult job. I couldn't do it very well. Blah, blah, blah. All those disclaimers. All of that to say he called it like he was Joe Buck calling a game-winning home run in the World Series. Sorry, that was a slight of Joe Buck for no reason. But uh, I think we've all been watching how boring he is when something big happens. Anyway, this was a really weird ending. Uh, Obviously, Kansas gets a huge win, the first Big 12 win in the Les Miles era, a week after they almost beat Texas. So maybe Kansas is really good, and we should all lay off of them, especially with their new offensive coordinator, who apparently has an offensive coordinating policy of, hey, Carter Stanley, just throw it deep every time, and someone's going to catch it, and we're going to score a bunch of points, and why weren't we doing this against everyone, especially Oklahoma? Did you guys see what Kansas State did to Oklahoma? Yes. What a weekend. Maybe we'll have one like this this upcoming weekend. Oklahoma has the bye week to lick their wounds, but everyone else plays, including tonight. Baylor is back tonight. They play West Virginia in Waco. Of course, it's a Thursday night game. Those are so weird, and I hate them. 
But anyway, we have one tonight, Baylor playing West Virginia. Kansas State and Kansas play each other, and it'll just be Oklahoma's luck to watch Kansas beat Kansas State and prove that Kansas State isn't that good. But they are ranked. So as we know, what happens with ranked Big 12 teams, they are going to lose. TCU-Oklahoma State is actually the only other matchup. I said everybody plays. I was lying. Only two games on Saturday, both at 3.30, because of course both Big 12 games are on at the, are on at the same time. Why would the Big 12 do anything that makes sense? Sorry. Maybe I'm a little bitter this week. Get over it. So I'll, I'll come back next week. Maybe I'll talk about the games if something major happens. Uh, otherwise, I'll be previewing November 9th, which is actually a pretty decent weekend because we've got Kansas State and Texas, Baylor and TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and then at night we have Iowa State and Oklahoma as Oklahoma tries to bounce back from their loss and they play another physical team who plays a very similar style to Kansas State. So we're going to preview those games next week unless something crazy happens. But uh, make sure to subscribe to the newsletter. Make sure to uh, tell people about this episode if you liked it. If you liked hearing me a little fired up, a little angry. If you liked hearing the production value of the opening, then please tell people about it. And, uh, you know, it's a little less, less exclusive than the newsletter. So promote it to your friends and they don't even have to sign up for anything. They just have to click play. So please do that. Please subscribe on all the places that you subscribe and let me know your thoughts on the episode if you like having a little creative opening or if you're like, no, just get into it. Takes too long. Okay, well, I'll do that. I want all the feedback. Anyway, I'll talk to you next week on the Big 12 Bullets. Oh, yeah, questions.